Welcome to the Hyper Theory Podcast. Today's topic, overworked, overtrained, and burned out. We're going to go into how you can t- determine or ascertain whether or not your child is truly in a phase of burnout. Um, and it might actually reflect your daily lifestyles in terms of your work schedules. Uh, a lot of you don't even realize that you may be burnt down. You're kind of just going through the motion. So uh, one of the things that we are planning to do with today's episode is help you get a better understanding as to what is needed, what's a necessity in order to be able to figure out the right method of progression for your children when they are birthed out. Um, our children are playing year round at this point, but we're not doing enough in order to be able to uh, assist um, with that. Now, um, we're going to take a portion from the Children's Hospital of Chicago um, article that was posted, uh, which is entitled Burn, uh, Burnout in Young Athletes, the Overtraining Syndrome. The article uh, presents uh, burnout or overtraining syndrome is a condition in which an athlete experiences fatigue and declining performance in his or her sport despite continuing or increased training. I see this a lot for parents, um, hear this a lot from parents where um, we confuse the decline of performance, the fatiguing syndrome uh, or the, the the fatiguing symptoms rather. Um, as my kid is out of shape, your kid is not out of shape. Your kid isn't doing entirely too much and their body has essentially had enough. They've hit a block. Um, and, and a lot of people's remedy for, uh, when they see declining of performance or fatigue or whatever, they like, yeah, you, we just gotta, we gotta get back in the gym. We gotta, we gotta work out more, you know, you gotta be running or whatever. And they're not paying attention to the fact that they're just burnt out. Um, so this is, we'll, we'll double back into with that definition. Burnout or overtraining syndrome is a condition. It's a condition in which an athlete experiences fatigue and declining performance in his or her sport, despite continuing or increased training. doesn't matter how much more you do. The reality of it is, and we'll get touch into this a little bit later is in order to be able to subside these symptoms, alleviate these symptoms, you need rest. It's just a fact. Article continues, overtraining can result in one, mood changes, two, decreased motivation, three, frequent injuries, and four, infections. So if your child during the season, especially when it begins to ramp up, they're constantly being sick. This isn't the fact, this isn't because of fault. It's literally just your your, your body's predisposition. Just um, it, it, it reduces the ability to fight infection. Um they will largely be sick, have a cough, have a this, have a that or whatever, because their body is just, it's out of whack. Mood changes. I'm sure a lot of you have experienced your kids, uh, especially female athletes where all of a sudden they're, they're less preppy. They're just constantly in a funk. They're constantly in a mood. And a lot of times we wrongfully attach that to estrogen or we attach it to, oh, well, she's being a teenager or they're being a teenager. It could be that they're doing too much. Right. So their moods will change. Um, another thing that a lot of parents fail to identify, um, and I know that sounds a little bit harsh. Um, so I'll, I'll try to rephrase that fail to identify. We'll say, um, don't immediately come to a real- realization of is 
when they see a player or when they see their child and that child isn't upbeat about training anymore. They're not upbeat about being around their friends, you know, at practice or whatever. You know, they're not upbeat about the fact that they have a game. It's kind of just like, oh, we got training again. Or how many games do we have this weekend? They're not motivated. They're not upbeat. They're not like, all right, let's go for it. A sign of overtraining. Now, how does it occur? Burnout is thought to be a result of the physical and emotional stress of training. Many athletes have some initial decrease in performance when they increase their level of training. Generally, however, after a short recovery period, the athlete will see an improvement in performance. Overtraining syndrome happens when an athlete fails to recover adequately from training and competition. Once again, overtraining syndrome happens when an athlete fails to recover adequately from training and competition. The symptoms are due to a combination of changes in hormones, suppression of the immune system, which, like I said previously, decreases the athlete's ability to fight infection, physical fatigue, and psychological changes. I'll repeat that. The symptoms are due to a combination of changes in hormones, suppression of the immune system, physical fatigue, and psychological changes. Now, largely, you're going to see this in kids between the ages of as early as 10 at this point, um, between 10 and 16, 17, right? But largely in that um, adolescent region. Um, Because again, they're going through the growth spurt phase, puberty, et cetera. So you're going to see hormonal changes. Yes, but that is not the be all end all, right? It says it's in a combination of changes in hormones, suppression in the immune system, physical fatigue, and psychological changes. They're thinking differently. They're applying things differently. Um, They are seeing themselves differently. Um, Society is changing around them. So the culture at their schools is changing. So there's a lot of things that they're being introduced to for the first time and developing thoughts. People are asking them questions that they've never asked them before. Um, People are sharing experiences to things that they may or may not be adequately familiar with or attached to. That's just a part of the process that we all went in growing up. Um, but again, this is part and parcel into the attachment of the overtraining syndrome. Now, what are some of the risk factors? There are many factors that are thought to increase the risk of developing overtraining syndrome, which include specializing in one sport. We've talked about that in previous episodes, sudden and large increases in training. So a lot of you are in this period right now, um, depending on what time, when you are listening to this, but this is more so going to be dated uh, around the end of the summertime. A lot of your kids have just finished, quote unquote, finished the season and are literally getting ready to jump right back into the season. And a lot of them are going from high intensity to you know relatively middle intensity, depending on whether or not you've taken a break or taken a vacation or whatever to literally just revving it back up because everybody's like, the season's getting ready to start. We got to go 100 miles an hour. And that's literally one of the worst things that you can do. Um, So this is going to increase the risk of developing overtraining syndrome, of developing burnout because you're you're doing too much too fast. There's no progressive overload. There's no progressive chain of development. There's no progress, just no progression progression in totality where a player can gradually feel themselves improving, uh, understand, okay, 
you know, my fitness is improving, but I'm not like super tired or fatigued. It's just like, go, 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 go. So majority of your kids are getting ready to do the Manchester United test, the yo-yo test, the beep test or whatever. And this is probably one of the worst things that you can do depending on the age group. And I probably wouldn't even use those, um, you know, at, at the, I would probably use that starting maybe like 15, 16, 17 doing those type of tests. And I wouldn't even start my program that way. I would have to build them into that and then gradually see what that may look like. And even those tests aren't always the best test for um, testing VO2, testing aerobic or any aerobic capacity. Like there's a lot to go into that and we'll get into future episodes pertaining to that. But um, additional risk factors, participation in endurance sports, soccer is an endurance sport right? You're going for between 60 and 90 minutes, depending on what age group you're playing in. Um, that's a risk factor. So you're already in risk factor zone for those who are in soccer. High anxiety levels, uh, low self-esteem, both of those nice direct combination of puberty, right? You're going through different changes. You may not have, you know, high self-esteem. You may not think of yourself all that well. You're going through different emotional, mental changes. Um, so that will increase the idea or perception or the risk of anxiety, um, especially within female athletes, not to say that male athletes don't experience the same. It's just not as outwardly as female athletes, um, in, in most instances or situations, um, last but not least pressure from parents and coaches, right? So if you're automatically revving up and you're like, we got to get serious this year, we got to blah, 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 blah. Was it your child that said we need to take it serious or was it you? Because if it's you who's constantly saying it, that is automatically putting additional physical or emotional stress that will then turn into physical stress. Now, mind you, at the very beginning, we asked, how does burnout occur? And the very first sentence is, it's thought to be a result of the physical and emotional stress of training. So keep that in mind. Okay. Uh, signs and symptoms of the overtraining syndrome. Uh, in the young athlete, signs and symptoms of burnout can be highly variable, uh, variable, uh, but and and but they can include chronic muscle and joint pain. So if your child, and I see this a lot, players who come in and they just have this same pain, like just the same pain. It's just the same, like it could be the ankle, it could be the hip, it could be whatever. But it's the same chronic pain over and over again, same thing, patella tendonitis, Osgood slaughters, um, runner's knee, all common things. If it is chronic, meaning that it is lasting longer than it is supposed to last and it's just continuous, that is automatically a sign or symptom of overtraining. Weight loss and loss of appetite. Um, and I know we have this infatuation you know, in, in society of certain weight and this or that or whatever, but if they're losing weight, but they're also losing their appetite. They just don't have a taste for anything. They don't want to eat anything. And you're fighting with them about their nutrition. You're fighting about with them about what to eat, what not to eat or whatever. That is automatically a sign and symptom of burnout. Increased heart rate at rest. Um, this is a little bit more complex. I would have to do a separate, um, separate episode, which I intend to do pertaining to the heart rate and, and, and how it correlates with 
uh, fitness and the proper measurement of knowing how fit or unfit a particular player is versus just being like, yeah, run for this duration of time for the beep test. It's not always a clear indicator of fitness, especially when it comes to match fitness versus just regular fitness. Uh, decreased sports performance is a very, very common sign and symptom. Um, immediately, once you feel like your child is no longer running at max and they're kind of sluggish and they're kind of jogging, right? Or they're just, you're not doing stuff that they did a month ago. It's a clear sign or symptom that they may be in the early stages or process of burnout. Fatigue. It's always similar to what we just talked about, decreased sports performance, but they're just like kind of just lethargic and just tired all the time right? They're just exhausted or feel exhausted, or they feel like they need to sleep more. Worst thing that you can do, one of the worst things that you can do is literally tell a youth athlete, especially one that's in the process of growing, that probably needs a lot more sleep than the uh, the average adult uh, because of all of that, that they're experiencing um, physically, mentally, emotionally, probably need more sleep. And this is controversial saying, because I know all parents are just like, well, they're not going to sleep all day it might be beneficial for some athletes in all honesty. Um, and we're coming to understand now that a lot of people aren't getting good quality sleep and maybe only getting three, four hours. And this is why you are experiencing burnout in your current lives, but not too straight too far. Um, but uh, prolonged recovery time, how long does it take for your child to bounce back and feel fresh again? First thing, figure out when was the last time, I want you to ask yourself this question. When was the last time your child actually said, I feel fresh? Like I feel hundred percent, I'm jumping up and down, I'm ready to go. When was the last time that they experienced that where they were just at peak performance and they were just lights out and they were like, yeah, I feel good. I feel great. Think about that. So now when you think about that, think about how long it takes them after they do, let's say they do three times training three times, and then they do a game or two over the weekend. So that's five days. How long from Monday morning, how long does it take them to bounce back and recover? If it's taking them two to three weeks to kind of, you know, more than a week to, to kind of get into the groove of things a week, two weeks going into three weeks where they're kind of like, they're still exhausted. That's a clear sign or symptom. Um, lack of enthusiasm. We mentioned that previously where players are like, they're upbeat, you know, for the season or they're looking forward to it, the bags or whatever. And then you gradually just start seeing their enthusiasm and they're just like, I really don't like this coach. He just makes us run all the time. Um, that girl is so annoying. Uh, oh my goodness. Like we're going here again. Lack of enthusiasm, clear sign of burnout. Uh, frequent illnesses mentioned that before, but your kid constantly getting a cold or a flu or this or that or whatever, even though they're in a state of constant activity, there is a problem there that we need to look at. Difficulty completing usual routines. So when your kid starts slacking on chores, even though they are full, full-time student athlete, essentially, it may not necessarily just be the fact that they're teenagers. It could also be a fact that they're just burnt out mentally and something is happening mentally and emotionally that is directly affecting their ability to actually be able to perform mundane things. Um, the psychological aspect of a youth athlete is highly under discussed and undervalued. 
Um, again, we continue to go off of the premise that, oh, well, they're kids, they need to, but, but think about when you were a kid, somebody told you the exact same thing, but in reality, you were looking and requesting for the same thing that your child is requesting now. So innately, the problem may not be the child, the problem may be us. We need to break that cycle into our routine. Just a thought. Um, decrease school performance. This is one that I continue to emphasize. If your kids are starting to drop grades and this coincides with the difficulty completing usual routines, which means going to school, getting up on time, completing their homework, but ultimately just decrease school performance, that is a clear sign that your child is doing too much and too involved with the sport. Last but not least, uh, personality or not last but not least, but um, personality and mood changes. Again, your child is experiencing different things, but if they just start becoming aggravating, ultimately, um, it's not necessarily just puberty or adolescence. It could also just be the consistent mundane things that they're doing because they specialize in one sport and they don't have variety and they're not, their, their life is solely just like trapped within this, um, which attached to the teenage persona of uh, the next one, increased anger or irritability, where they're just kind of just like, oh my goodness, I don't like my mom. Like, it's not just like the teenage thing. We've all gone through those phases, but um, this is part and parcel to, you know, the the, the psychological and emotional effects of um, specialized training and just overindulging in sports. Um, it can It can very well lead players to be not just irritated towards you or angry towards you, but even just towards their friends where they're falling out with their own teammates. And they're just like, Oh my goodness. Like, she's just so annoying. Like I'm so sick and tired of her. Like she's not even that good. Like these are all things that essentially would not have happened at the very beginning of the season. Last but not least sleep disturbances. I alluded to this, but like I said, uh, difficulty sleeping or sleeping without feeling refreshed. Your kids should feel like they got enough sleep and like when they wake up, like, all right, I'm good, especially on days where they really don't have anything to do, right? Which is one of the reasons why I'm very much an advocate of napping, okay? Getting them to to find out ways to nap. Most kids don't experiencing na experience napping until they get to college on a consistent basis um, because you have no choice but to nap in college in order to survive. Um, but ultimately, just making sure that they get enough rest, enough sleep, um, and not disturbing and not waking them up at five o'clock in the morning to go run. Um, the run is less beneficial at that point, especially if they're not getting good quality sleep. Just let them sleep in, right? Even if it's like two times a month, let them sleep in and see what the effects are from them sleeping in. Their body is actively changing. They actually need more sleep. So it's important to identify that. Uh, now, these are warning signs of unhealthy sports participation, which may increase the risk of burnout. Number one, the athlete is no longer having fun playing sports. We alluded to that previously. Um, if they are not, if they're having that tough conversation with you of like, I want to take a gap year, or I don't know if I want to play next year or whatever. Warning signs of unhealthy sports participation. They are overindulging. Number two, the athlete's sport is dominating his or her family's life. I think that's self-explanatory. Uh, I think that's a alarming warning sign for a lot of you. 
the only topic of conversation at home or at the dinner table is the child's sport, meaning that there is no variety. I think that is a common situation for a lot of you as well. The athlete is rewarded on how they perform in sports, meaning, well, if you do well this game, I'll give you this, and this will determine what your Christmas gift looks like, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the athlete has missed 10% of his or her season and has not yet seen a doctor, meaning that they've been injured or ill or some kind of whatever over the course of the season. They missed at least 10% of their season, and they haven't gone to see a doctor for any stress fractures or this or that or whatever the case may be. Uh, the only important thing to the athlete or parent is winning. Mm. We won't touch on that one. A female athlete is now 16 and has not yet started her period. That is also a warning sign. The athlete is dieting just to become a faster runner. That is that is a that is a very much an unhealthy uh, warning sign. Um, that that should not be a thing. Uh, you can get faster at whatever weight that you're at. It's just a matter of how you format it. Um, but dieting just to become faster is a very, yeah, that's a hazardous topic. Um, a young athlete only plays one sport and is unwilling to try others or is incapable of trying others. That is another alarming warning sign. So how do we diagnose the overtraining syndrome? Um, there is no official test for overtraining syndrome. However, the diagnosis is based on an athlete's story, the symptoms that he or she reports, and the absence of an alternative explanation for these symptoms. Now, this is going to hurt a lot of you because we're going to talk about treatment, and you might not like where the tra treatment is going. The only treatment for burnout is rest. I'll let that simmer. Last but not least, I'll repeat it again. The only treatment for burnout is rest. The athlete should stop participation in training or competition for a set period of time. And that time required, drum roll please, varies generally four to 12 weeks. That is, it could be a month, it could be three months. And I know you're saying, holy sh how could my child miss out on a month or three months of uh, my my competitive season. There, there's just absolutely no way. But I want you to think about it like this. If your child, heaven forbid, tears their ACL or MCL or Achilles or whatever, they're going to be out an extended period of time. So wouldn't it make sense to take them out before it's a requirement to take them out in a, from a rehabilitatory standpoint or rehabilitation uh, standpoint and just give them the time to actually be able to recover properly without them suffering blunt trauma on limbs, ligaments, muscles, whatever. I would think that that would be smart. Um, so again, the time required varies depending on several factors, including the type of sport, the level of skill and competition and severity of symptoms. Now, during this rest period, the athlete can participate in short intervals of low intensity aerobic exercise to help keep active and fit. This type of activity should be unrelated to his or her sport, meaning, okay, well, we're not going to go games, but we're still going to make you run five miles every day around the track. No, no, short intervals of low intensity, low intensity aerobic exercise <clears throat> to help keep fit 
and active. That should be unrelated to his or her sport. Now, returning after we've done that treatment, how do we return back to activity in sports? When the signs and symptoms of, of burnout have resolved completely, that includes the physical symptoms, mood changes, and sleep disturbances, the athlete may begin slowly to reintroduce training. Athletes should increase the duration of activity before increasing the intensity of activity. I'll repeat that again. The athlete may begin slowly to reintroduce training. Athletes should increase the duration of activity before increasing the intensity of activity. Do not sit here and tell me, well, their coach wants them to this, that, or whatever. It is your child. It is your child. It is your child. And if a coach doesn't have the capacity to understand and realize that your child is experiencing this and that your child, and this is the formula in which your child recovers, and they are ignorant enough to be able to lie in your face and blow smoke and tell you, well, they just need to, no, they don't. They need to gradually improve, slowly be reintroduced to training and gradually increase the duration of the activity before increasing the intensity. It's not just, oh, well, you took a rest. Okay, you're back. Now we got to rev it up. No, 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 no. Increase the duration of activity before you increase the intensity. If symptoms begin to recur when training is restarted, the athlete should again initiate a rest period and reevaluate the training approach, meaning that if you got the training approach wrong, they're starting to experience those symptoms again. It's time to go back to scratch. So how do we prevent that in the first place? <clears throat> All of this. Specific guidelines for trainers, coaches, parents include make training fun and interesting with age-appropriate games and workouts. Has to be fun and engaging. One of the things that I always do with players um, especially when I feel like the intensity of the session is becoming too much for them. I'll crack a joke. I'll make fun of somebody's cleats. I will talk about somebody's hair. I will do anything to get them into a happy mood and allow them to be able to just like relax and reduce that tension immediately. I have to make sure that I keep it engaging and fun. And it's not just, we're here just working you to the bone. That's not the point of training. That's not how kids learn. And I don't care whether or not they're seven or whether or not they're 15 or 16. They still are kids and they still want to learn in the ways that they've been learning since they were six months old. It, they want it to be fun and engaging. They want it to be colorful in some aspect, some way, shape or form. <clears throat> Number two, keep the training uh, regimen flexible with planned breaks one to two days per week and longer breaks every few months to allow for complete recovery. Meaning that off season period that I continue to emphasize and talk about, that is how you prevent burnout. So when everyone is doing high school and you know for a fact that you don't need to be playing high school, don't play high school. When it comes time to do futsal, don't do futsal. Or do futsal in a smaller variety. Make sure that there's a break in between. Don't do too much. Like whatever the case may be. Take your breaks when you need to take your breaks. So whether or not your coach is doing the break period, you yourself are in charge of your breaks and you need to be mindful of that. Number three, maintain a supportive environment for the athlete. Have a sense of communication, right? Where it's not just like, 
I'm dad talking to daughter, where it's just like, hey, we're in this together. We're a team. So what do you need in order to reach whatever it is that you're trying to reach? Are you trying to reach wherever you're trying to reach? Okay, you are? Cool. So here's what we want to do. We want to do X, Y, Z. Or why don't you do some research on it? Tell me who you want to work with. Tell me who you believe is beneficial. Tell me what you experienced with this. Does the running benefit you? No, it doesn't. You like doing intervals? Cool, we'll do intervals. Let me let me call somebody and ask them, what does that encompass or what does that include? Very important. Number four, teach the athlete to be aware of the cues from their body that indicate a need to slow down or change their training routine. Discuss the importance of overall health and wellness and be open to conversations about these issues. This is one of the things that I constantly have uh, constantly have conversations with parents and players about, but specifically players, because I'm in direct contact with them for the full duration of time that I'm training them. So it's important that they notice. I tell them all the time, be aware of how you're feeling. If you are feeling nauseous, tell me immediately. Sit down. If you are feeling like something is pulling or it's cramping or you tweak something, sit down. Tell or tell me, then go sit down, right? But you need to be aware. I can't perform the motion for you. I can't feel what you're feeling, right? Same thing for parents. You don't know what the parent, and, and that can be an uncomfortable situation for a lot. And that reflects back to pressure from parents um, and coaches. We don't want to provide that pressure. So that's why before number three was remain, maintain a supportive environment for the athlete. So as long as you have that environment, and it's not too much, it's not pressuring, right? Then it allows room for you to be able to teach the athlete to be aware of the cues, right? And understand when they need to slow down, when they need to train or train differently, okay? Now, the specific guidelines for the athlete includes spend one to two days per week resting from organized sport participation or participating in alternative activities. Number two, allow slightly longer breaks, a couple of weeks from training and competition every three months. This time could be focused uh, could be spent focusing on other activities and cross training without intensive training and competition. Hence, why I say play a different sport. Now, you may not be able to play it in a competitive variety, but you can implement different things. It could be just shooting hoops in the backyard. It could be setting up badminton court in your front yard. Just bring some kids out. Okay, we're just gonna we're gonna play badminton for you know the next couple of days every Thursday, right? Just provide something different right? A different variety. And every three months, there should be, um, any personal trainer will tell you after a micro cycle, which, you know, normally lasts about between, it could last between six and eight, six and 12 weeks. <clears throat> will tell you that you need to switch your program. So the same thing applies for coaches and trainers, even though coaches and trainers will normally use the same exact template and normally will use four by four, meaning for every four weeks, they'll change or adjust Sometimes you can change in six, sometimes you can change in eight, sometimes you can change in 10 or 12, whatever the case may be, every three months, which is uh, typically your 12-week period, you should be changing. Um, now, whether or not your coach knows this, totally different, but now you know this, and you know that every three months now, you should be changing a different semblance of focus and uh, taking longer breaks. Number three, maintain a healthy, balanced diet, drink plenty of water. That is very, very important. Very, very important, right? Um, now, there's different different ideas on what a healthy, balanced diet includes or consists of. Um, drinking plenty of water is great, but you also need to understand the formula for hydration. So that includes your electrolytes. That's your sodium. That's your potassium. These are very, very important. And I have a number of these conversations. I'll continue to have more 
nutritional conversations um, in uh, the the coming episodes. Um, and we'll you know talk to different nutritionists or what have you to give you a better semblance and idea as to what needs to go into a player's body in order to be able to help them perform at maximum capacity or peak perform or achieve peak performance. Um, so very important. Um, number five, listen to your body. We just talked about that. Take a short break and alter your training if your body needs a change. Very important. But last but not least, try to be a well-rounded athlete who, partic- who participates in many different activities. So if your child is engaged in STEM programs, poetry, um, uh, I'm trying to think of something different. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be sports related. It could just be something completely different and alternate, whatever they're doing. Try to get them into different internships that may pique their interest from a academic point of view and not necessarily just from an academic point of view, but from a life and skill set point of view, right? Um, have them intern at a trade school or take them to a auto body shop and teach them how to assemble a car. Um, go karting, laser tagging. It can be a multitude of different things. Um, we just have to stop thinking so narrow, think outside of the box. And I'm going to help you co- to continue to think outside of the box here on the Hybrid Theory Podcast. <laughs>